Hey guys, it's Christian Rivetta with Pickles and Lettuce. Thanks again for joining me today. I really appreciate the consistent support, um, and hopefully today we have some fun and we're able to get into some things that uh, interest you guys a little bit. So hopefully y'all's weekend was good. Uh, we saw some good basketball this weekend, if you guys keep up with basketball at all. The biggest surprises uh, in the basketball seasons, right, before we jump into fantasy football and football statistics. I think for me, was watching the Portland Trailblazers uh, really outperform the Nuggets, right? That was an awesome surprise. And then just because I like to see in the basketball case scenario, underdogs win a little bit more often. I still see the Suns as an underdog, no matter what anybody says as far as rankings and injuries and health. It was nice to see LeBron James go down as well. I'm not going to lie. But anyway, Let's move on from there. Let's start talking about fantasy football. Hope you guys are ready. Today we're going to talk about some really important rules. I mentioned last time that we would dive into historical analytics. I'm going to throw some numbers at you guys that I was able to find. Now, I don't want to pull numbers out of a magic hat for y'all. So really, the numbers that I could find, and these are all based off of uh, ESPN researches, ESPN surveys, um, there's not a lot of statistics out there as far as draft position, what order you're falling in, and how often that's going to lead to success. The pools aren't big enough necessarily for that, for some of those numbers to make a lot of sense for y'all, but we're going to be talking really more, more about not necessarily draft order specifically yet, but just some general rules to follow today that should lead to some basic success, especially if this is your first fantasy football league, or you're just starting to get into it, or you don't really keep up with football, what should you do on a base level that can give you some of the, an opportunity to compete in something like a fantasy football league, right? So here we go. We're going to jump into the first topic of today, and that's rule number one. You're going to want to draft for value, right? So when you're doing this fantasy football league, what that means is I think a lot of us fall into the trap of we want to start by drafting a certain position up front, right? So we all have in our head that, hey, wide receiver or running back, right? I'm going to draft one of those positions first because the drop-off for production, not talent, because I think we confuse that as well as fantasy football players that follow football, right? If we're talking about quarterbacks, which is typically the number one mistake people make is drafting a quarterback in the first round right? People automatically think, oh, I got to get Patrick Mahomes or I got to get Aaron Rodgers or I got to get Tom Brady in the first round, got to lock him in just because I'm not going to be able to get that value later in the draft. And that's true if you were running an organization for win percentages, right? That's true if you need the most talented player to win your ball games, but that's not true if you just need somebody to fill in a stat sheet, right? And I think that's important when we're going over fantasy football, we're talking about drought value here. Kind of do yourself a favor. If you get anything from this episode, staying away from a quarterback is going to, in the first round is probably going to be your number one rule. But going back to the original rule of rule one, which is drafting for value, you're going to want to fill in each draft pick just on the most valuable player available. Right. So to kind of put that into an example rather than just say it and move on, that would mean if let's just say I had two running backs already drafted on my team. Right. 
And my next move, they're my first two picks. My third pick, I told myself I was either going to draft a wide receiver or a tight end uh, because I want to get one of those positions early. Because if you look statistically, uh, there's a big drop off in, in talent, or in, not just in talent, but in production, right? Which is what we talked about earlier in those positions much faster than there is at the quarterback position. And we'll hop into those actual numbers here in a little bit. But if we, if I wanted to draft a wide receiver number three, and I was noticing that a lot of wide receivers are still on the board, right? Maybe I'm only in a 12-person league, and there's 24 good wide receivers on the board. They're not. I'm probably not going to get Julio Jones. I'm probably not going to get, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins because those are going to be first-round wide receivers taken. And if I'm drafting a wide receiver number th- or with my third pick, those players are probably not an option. So at this point. Let's say I get two water, two running backs, and then and I already have two running backs on my team. And then I look, and for whatever reason, let's just say Ezekiel Elliott's on the board, right? And that's kind of a cheesy example because I'm sure he's one of those running backs that comes off uh, in the first couple of picks as well. But what I'm trying to get at here or is even if somebody – if somebody falls into your lap in a position that you weren't planning on drafting uh, for that position yet, you don't pass up on them because you're trying to fill in a roster spot, right? Because fantasy football isn't like drafting our 2K franchise leagues or our NB or our Madden franchise leagues. Drafting for fantasy football, again, when it comes down to it, is drafting for value, trying to get production, right? Not trying to fill in a slot for what obviously we need a starting position, we need a starting player for every slot, right? But realistically, if some if there's a player that falls into your lap and they're a better producer in their position than some of the options available, or if something like running backs, I mentioned that I was gonna uh, throw out some numbers to you guys. So out of all the running backs in the league. The 20th highest scoring running back just managed to score 41.9% of the total uh, points scored by the top running back, right? So let's just say that top running back was Christian McCaffrey one year because he's been that for the couple of years that he's not injured, right? And then middle of the pack running back, let's just call him, um, I don't know, Galman when Saquon Barkley was out, right? Probably middle of the pack running back when Saquon was out as far as production goes. They're saying that if Christian McCaffrey is averaging about what, 25, 20 to, 25 to 30 fantasy points, you can expect a running back like Galman to get you anywhere from 12 and a half to 15 fantasy points a game, which in reality sounds nice. Now, realistically, that's not where the numbers are going to be, right? They're going to, they're going to be a little bit different than that. I'm just using them purely off for example here, but at 41.9% of total production, once you start getting into the lower echelon of running backs, that means that running backs are gold in fantasy football, right? So for me, my first two picks are always running backs. And if a third running back falls in my lap that has a different bye week than the other two, especially, that's that's another selling point, then I'm hopping on it. There is no question because I can find a wide receiver that I can switch out every week if I have to 
because wide receivers really are one of, one of those positions that can have a big game one week and drop off the next week. There are very few wide receivers that are ultra super consistent as far as being the favorite target in the NFL. Right. So that's something to look out for and to put that into perspective as far as which which position is most important and which should you draft highest. So if you look at it statistically, when you look at the wide receiver position, the way you compared it to the running back position, the 20th highest scoring wide receiver managed 58.7 of the top wide number one wide out uh, last season. So 58.7 percent of their production. Right, so a much higher threshold than the running backs. Right, the twentieth running back only averaged forty-one point nine percent of the production scored by the top running back. The wide receiver was well over fifty percent the production that it matched. Right, so you can see, just looking at it from a statistical analytical standpoint, where your money player is at. It's at running back. Right, so you need good running backs. That's also the position that gets injured the most. Right. not in the sense of types of players, right? Because I guess if you looked at it, there's more wide receivers in the league. So technically, there's another position out there like wide receivers that gets injured more. But if you're talking about losing Derrick Henry compared to losing a Michael Thomas, there's more likely going to be somebody that's much more effective for you to roll in week to week to replace Michael Thomas's production then there would be a Christian McCaffrey. And those are two players that have been at the top of their position, um, their positions for a long time when it comes to fantasy football production. So let's go here. I want to make sure that I covered everything in rule one, guys. But really main points, uh, main takeaways is running backs are gold. Wide receivers are kind of like the red Corvette. They're sexy to look at. Don't fall for the trap. Same thing with quarterbacks. Don't fall for the trap. I would probably go running back, running back, running back, tight end, wide receiver. That's what I've done more consistently. And it's worked out for me because even if it doesn't work out right away as far as production, and maybe I'm losing a game or two, I have trade leverage because if I have three really talented wide receivers, most likely somebody messed up in the draft and drafted a running back later on than I did. And bam, that gives me an opportunity to lose a running back and trade, right? Get a wide receiver that I need, get a better quarterback, do whatever I need to do. But that running back is not only going to be there for production, but also going to be there for leverage, right? So I think if we look at it, again, running back, running back, running back, tight end, wide receiver kind of makes sense in the beginning order. Because if we hop into a tight end position and we look at their fantasy drop-off, the 20th highest scoring tight end, only average 15.9% of the production of the top scoring tight end. Huge drop off. And you might say, well, why wouldn't I drive, drive, uh, get a tight end first? At that point, you're talking about who's scoring more points per season, right? So on average, the top scoring running back is going to score way more points, about um, 80 points more than the top scoring tight end, right? So at that point, you're really just trying to fill in, again, this, this, this game this league, your fantasy league, your fantasy game really does come down to numbers a lot of the time when you're talking about making decisions up front, right? Before things start happening, before we start talking about taking risk. So those are some of the numbers that are involved with rule one here. Um, So 
just as a reminder, because um, rule two kind of intertwines with rule one, instead of diving too deep into it, you, again, want to make sure that you don't jump into the wide receivers too early, right? You want to target them. They do matter. They There is a drop-off in production, but we see with running back and tight end, there's a way bigger drop-off in those two categories. So, again, we're just going to stress it with, with rule number two, even though we talked about it in rule number one plenty, don't do a wide receiver too early. Let somebody draft Julio in the first round. Just let them. Move on. You'll be fine. Number three, quarterback patience, right? So when we think about drafting a quarterback, we talked about it in rule number one as well, but this is going to give us a more, more on the number side why we should wait on being, uh, why we should wait on drafting a quarterback. Last year, or last year, and this is true for most years in fantasy football, again, according to ESPN.com, a total of 23 quarterbacks averaged at least 15 fantasy points per game in 2019, uh, and as well as in 2018 and 2017. Minimum eight games played, meaning that there are a lot of options, consistent options, at the QB position, right? Again, you could be the person that really strives to get Patrick Mahomes, really strives to get Tom Brady, really strives to get Aaron Rodgers. And yes, they're going to average more than the, the rest of those 23 quarterbacks in the NFL who are averaging about 15 per game. Maybe the Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady's are averaging 22.5, 25 points, maybe even 27 if they're having a blowout season like uh, Patrick Mahomes' first year as a start, complete starter. Right? Maybe they're getting close to that 30-point-a-game echelon, but there's so many good quarterbacks in the league seen from these statistics that you let those quarterbacks fly off the board. Let them fly off the board. You're going to see the Russell Wilson's going to go off the board. You're going to start getting scared when you see Tom Brady go off the board. Um, you know, it, what I got to say to that is you can find the production somewhere else. And if you have to, unless you're in like a 16-plus person league, you can really switch off quarterback to quarterback week to week from teams that you might not think would be productive, right? Think back to last year, especially when Christian McCaffrey was healthy, there was times where Teddy Bridgewater was playing like a top fantasy quarterback when it came to production, right? And if you filtered that out, you were using him pretty effectively. Same thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you were using him when he was uh, starting for the Dolphins in the first couple of weeks, he was a really productive fantasy football quarterback, and no one's going to own those guys. Justin Herbert, first couple of weeks, he was at, Justin Herbert really wasn't owned to about weeks consistently above 50% until week six in most fantasy leagues last year. And that's crazy thinking about because he got off to the hardest, off, hardest start you can think of. But that just kind of plays into the mindset of, again, there is value, there is production to be found in the later rounds of the drafts, right? So just keep that in mind when you're also drafting. Really, fantasy, the, our fantasy draft, the level of production we get from it comes from being patient and sticking to a game plan, not trying to fill in position to position again, right? We can always trade. We can always pick up later after the draft. You want to put the most valuable players for production, not talent, on your team. Okay, perfect. So we, again, we talked about tight ends uh, having that big gap. So 
I'm not going to go into tight ends anymore. And then the, this this rule number five that I'm going to mention, and I guess some of you guys are going to be like, hey, Christian, we skipped rule number four. Do you know how to count? I promise I know how to count on most days, but number four was mainly about tight ends. There's really not much more that needs to be said now that we know that there's such a big drop-off in the tight end position, except for right after your running backs, if Travis Kelsey or George Kittle's on the board, draft him. You know, pick number four. If they're not on the board, hey, be patient for a tight end. You're going to start averaging, after, after really those two tight ends, the top two or three, four or five producers, really the top three producers for the tight end position when you're talking about statistics, everybody else underneath them is pretty much going to average the same thing, right? They might have a big game here or there, but everybody else is going to be pretty much the same level of production. So if you're not going to draft them right after your running backs, don't even get into it, right? Just be patient in that position as well. Now, the positions that you're going to want to be most patient on outside of QB, and this should go without saying, but some fantasy leagues look different than others in the sense to where I know some of us draft individual defensive players, and we'll get into drafting individual defensive players in a later episode and how to be effective when we're drafting on the defensive side when it comes to a position. But if in most leagues, you're drafting a defense, right? And you're drafting it slash special teams and you're drafting a kicker. So you want to be especially patient on those positions. Again, just because of how big of a drop-off there is in production and in value, right? So let me find this statistic really quick. The top the top defense last year was the Bears, and they finished um, they finished at the 16th best overall fantasy productive defense in history, right? So what that means is when you talk about the year before last year, uh, you talk about the Patriots' defense. Obviously, they were on another level. They were scoring QB, QB numbers per game. Right. So if we look at the average defense, if they're 16th best, because the Bears defense was relatively average when it comes to fantasy football. So the best, they're the best last year statistically, production wise, but they're the only 16th best defense of all time. You can see that the best defenses typically are not scoring you a whole bunch of points, therefore, really should be drafted in the last few rounds. Even if somebody had the Cowboys as their defense the whole season and you never felt it out of them for no reason, or even taking that a step further, even if you never had a defense on your team, unless you're getting the number one defense every year, which is more of a guessing game, because defense, unlike offense, doesn't just come down to execution and talent, but it also comes down to schedule. If you're a team that's playing Aaron Rodgers two times a year, or Tom Brady two times a year, or Patrick Mahomes two times a year, and you have a relatively good defense overall, but we're, we're seeing it more and more where it's really not even mattering who's quarterback. People are airing out the ball. We're scoring more touchdowns. It's a dangerous time to bet on a defense in fantasy football just because of how much the game has changed, right? And I'm not going to say the same thing goes for kicker, but there should be obvious reasons why kicker doesn't need to be a position that's drafted highly, or in my opinion, maybe it's not drafted at all. And you might say, well, Christian, you, you want to start a full lineup. That's kind of dumb, right? You want the ability to put in the most points as possible. And I agree. 
I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't start a kicker. But if you drafted, let's just say, an extra running back or extra wide receiver, obviously you're not playing until the Fantasy Football League starts week one, right? And that typically happens a week or two. You draft typically a week or two before the season actually starts. If you drafted an extra position, hey, maybe you get to put in a package to trade for a player that you really want and maybe one of those players that you have to trade away that leads up an extra roster roster spot for you gets filled in with the kicker at that point. Or you drafted an extra wide receiver and you, you really drafted him to maybe act as injury insurance or trade insurance in case somebody moved before the beginning of the season and you were taking a little bit of a risk. Or somebody or maybe you are seeing if a rookie was going to start somewhere, at whether it be at any position, really, QB, running back, whatever it was going to be, and you dropped him at the last set, second and then picked up a kicker that was up for free agency. The production for kickers is so inconsistent, again, because even though you could have kickers that are really talented, that make their field goals a high percentage of the time, it really comes down to the success of that team's offense and the success of the team on the other side's defense, especially when it comes to their defense, their red zone defensive percentages. So again, I think kickers and defenses can be moved a lot like QBs in the sense to where you can go from QB to QB week to week uh, in the free agency in the free agency lot, uh, exactly like you could go defense to defense every week, and you could go kicker to kicker. Because again, a lot of that's going to come down to who your opponent is and how successful they are doing uh, the exact opposite of what your player is trying to do. Right. So again, I think we pay attention to the defenses. We don't get too excited about, Oh, what if I get the defense that averages 20 points a game? Cause that's very far and few between, right? We got to remember that 20 point again, Patriots defense is an all time defense. Right? You're talking about a defense that's going to be in the history books as far as the season they had. That's not going to be your case scenario the majority of the time. You're betting, uh, you're purely betting at that point, right? You're betting on emotion at that point. You're not betting on any numbers at all. So, number six kind of goes into what we talked about in my first episode as far as taking risk later in the draft. I mentioned Patrick Mahomes when it was when I took my first risk drafting him. Um, his first year as a full starter, right? Now we look back on that and we say, oh, that was a no-brainer at the time again. Really wasn't. There wasn't a lot of expectations for Patrick Mahomes at least being the player that he became. Maybe people thought he was going to be good or decent. People didn't think that after the first year there would be a a GOAT conversation almost immediately, right? Um, But I'm going to title number six, Upside Matters in Late Rounds, right? So again, we're taking the risk for the ability for production. I kind of mentioned it in the last roll as well. Maybe you want to use, instead of drafting a kicker right away, that extra spot to draft a, a QB who may or not be may or may not be the starter really late, right? So maybe Mac Jones falls so late, and maybe he's about to be a free agent. Maybe that could be a free agency pickup that we can do later, but maybe Mac Jones falls to the latest round there is because people don't know if Bill Belichick's going to stick with Cam or if they're going to put in their young QB early. Now, my gut instinct tells me they're going to stick with Cam, but we'll see how that plays out, at least for the first couple of weeks, um, because the Patriots actually have some pretty tough matchups the first two, three to four weeks, I think. I know it's, 
I'm I'm positive it's three. I forget who they play the fourth week. Uh, we can we can look it up later if we really want to. We probably won't. But anyway, um, upside matters late. If you really have the opportunity to draft somebody that you think could have a great season, uh, when it comes to the rookies especially, I think rookies is where upside kind of lives. Outside of rookies, where upside also lives, is in the trade market. Right, so if you see people who are being traded from team to team and might have uh, gone by as an underthought, perfect example example for me is Galladay from the Rams, be, or not from the Rams, from the Lions being traded uh, to the Giants. Now again, you have to have a little bit of faith in Danny Dimes. You have to have a little bit of faith in the Giants' offense. You have to have a little bit of faith in Saquon staying healthy because if he stays healthy, that takes a little bit. The, everybody's going to have to pay attention to Saquon on play actions, right? So that includes the safeties, that brings the safeties down, that have, that affects the passing game all the way around, just having each level of the offense being so like a decent producer. But even that, Galladay is a player to where he's catching 50-50 balls the majority of the time. So you can expect Galladay's to have, to, to have uh, when it comes per reception, pretty big chunks of yardage, as well as to have a lot of red, red zone targets um, and quite a few touchdowns year over year. But he might be someone that falls under the rug just because it's the Giants, right? And they're, last year they were one of the worst offenses in the league. So there really is no expectation for their offense to be good. So why draft one of their wide receivers? That's where we could find value in the later rounds. Maybe you're taking a risk on a wide receiver like that. Um, outside of trades and recently drafted players, another position or another area that I see a lot of value in drafting in the later rounds is second year players. So we're talking about people, um, perfect example, I think too, and, and this year is going to be Robinson from the Jag Jaguars as running back. Now he might seem like a lock-in to a lot of people, but if somebody drafts him early, I'm going to question that decision because the, the Jaguars just drafted another running back, from what I remember, in the first round, right? So, and when they do that, and not only was it another running back, but it was Trevor Lawrence's running back, his teammate, right? When a team makes that kind of decision, you can expect there to be competition. But at the same time, Robinson being a second-year player, maybe he wins the battle. Maybe they're going to use the Jaguars' are going to use, and I can't pronounce his name, I think it's Etienne, or I don't want to butcher it, that they drafted late from uh, the Clemson Tigers, maybe they're going to use him like like the Patriots used uh, James White for the longest time, really just as a Swiss Army knife to catch passes out of the backfield, to return punts, and maybe what that they're going to have completely separate roles. Maybe he gives Robinson a breath of fresh air and he does screenplays a lot of the times, or, you know, he can he can have a very different role, but again, being that there's so much risk in that conversation with the second-year player, especially if they're getting new competition introduced to them, you're going to want to wait into the later rounds. I think for me especially, uh, competition is something that we all need to be careful of when we're drafting. So you look at like a, an offensive uh, an offensive Corvette like the Dallas Cowboys are probably going to be this season when it comes to fantasy football production level. You're probably going to be a winner drafting Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, right? But is it going to be Amari Cooper? Is it going to be C.D. Lamb? 
Uh, is it going to be one of their young tight ends, really, because they have they have two of them who have been relatively productive? Is Gallup going to finally step up and have the incredible consistent season that we've all been waiting for? Right, he's shown glimpses of being a number, possibly being a number one wide receiver for another team, right? But if you draft in between, especially I think Amari Cooper and Ceedee Lamb, you're rolling the dice, and I think. That's a 50-50 matchup as far as who's going to get who's going to be more productive at the end of the season. They both do different things when it comes to the Cowboys system. Amari Cooper typically is a lot more productive um, in the beginning of the season. Even when CeeDee Lamb wasn't there, Amari Cooper tends to be pretty productive at the beginning of seasons and ends up getting banged up towards the end of the season. And being that he is such a route runner technician, if he's got ankle problems, if he's got knee problems, that's going to affect his ability to be really productive, right? And eventually people are going to start doubling him. They're going to start putting uh, zone coverage underneath him a lot of the times because a lot of his routes are in the first 10 to 15 yards and inside the numbers, right? So that's going to be something um, that you're going to want to pay attention to with any players, but especially when we're talking about second round player or second year players, and especially when we're looking to draft for value. So we're coming up on 30 minutes, guys. And I, I do know that I, I mentioned earlier that I wanted to keep it between 20 and 25 minutes pretty consistently, but it looks like this 30 minute number is going to work out pretty effectively for us more often than not. So we'll try to keep it around there more often, but just as a, a way to wrap up today, I'm not going to give you a quick summary because we have the ability of replay, right, thankfully, but just a couple more talking points that I wanted us to think about going into our next episode and just thinking about overall. Remember, even after the draft, we have waiver wire, right? You have the ability to pick people up in the middle of the season. People are going to drop people. Don't be afraid if your draft isn't perfect. Don't be afraid if your draft isn't perfect because you're going to have the ability to pick people up uh, later on, especially if you have people in your league that want to make quick moves early and end up making a decision that they might regret. That might give you the ability to add some more value to your league. Another quick talking point, PPR, right? Most of us are going to be in a points per reception league. If you are, look for the Michael Thomas of the world. Look for uh, the... Uh, and if you're, you're like, Christian, I don't know if I can draft that high, right? Well, what I mean by that is when I say Michael Thomas is the world, we might be more inclined to draft the DeAndre Hopkins because he's more of like the heart-stopping big play wide receiver when we're watching the game. But when you compare the two, Michael Thomas is going to be the better producer, you know, and even more so, whoever Aaron Rodgers is playing with, whoever's his number one wide receiver is, you can expect him to have a Devontae Adams type of season. Again, so PPR really comes down to not only can the wide receiver make quick cuts and get open and be the person that gets targeted seven to nine times a game, but are they in an offensive system that allows them to be productive? So we talked about this player earlier, Galladay, though he might be targeted a lot of times in the red zone, if the Giants end up being a stinker on the offensive side again, again this year, he might be a horrible option for a PPR league because he might have three or four points one game. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration. Seven points one game, and then a random 30 bomb, right? But maybe more often than not, it's seven. And 
that's not going to do you any good if the person you're playing has somebody that's catching passes on a consistent basis, which with any team, whatever team it may be with, right? So that's going to be something you want to pay attention to your draft too, which we'll talk a little bit more in detail next time being PPR. We'll talk about that more. We talked about it a little bit today where we're going to talk about the effectiveness of streaming players, especially quarterbacks week to week and defenses week to week in next week's episode. So something to be prepared for. Um, but outside of that, oh, one more thing. Sorry, guys. We're also going to talk about the importance of backups, right? So I'll leave it with this when it comes to backups because there's a lot we need to talk about there. But if you're drafting Dalvin Cook number one with your first overall draft pick or Ezekiel Elliott or it's going to be some running back that hopefully I'm praying that you're, that you're drafting with your first pick and you're not diving into a wide receiver or QB right away. If you're drafting a running back first, which you should, he needs an insurance policy. He needs, uh, if it's Dalvin Cook, Madison. If it's Ezekiel, it's Pollard. You know, you need to draft their backup, even if it's in the later rounds, because if somebody does it before you, what that gives them is leverage in case one of your players gets injured. Because not only do you believe in the Ezekiel of the world or the Dalvin Cooks of the world, you believe that the Cowboys are going to run the ball 15 times a game or the Vikings are going to run the ball 15 times again. And the offensive line is going to open the holes for a running back to get through. And again, that's the conversation of value. It's not the name Dalvin Cook. It's the system that they belong in. And yeah, they're a talented player, so maybe they can average two or three more yards a carry than any other running back. But that's not going to do us any good in fantasy football. What does us good in fantasy football is that they're going to get the ball 15 to 20 times a game, whether it's being handoff or in the air too. That's where our value is really at, the system that they belong to. So that does it for us to get today, guys. Um, thank you for sticking with me. Today was a long episode. We talked about a bunch. I'm going to lose my voice here pretty soon just because I went through everything relatively quickly. Working on getting some video clips up for you guys on YouTube. YouTube's going to be the platform, and I'll have my username for you guys here in the next episode. In the next episode, hopefully, YouTube's going to be the platform where I start involve, involving some guest speakers, uh, just because that it gives me the ability to do that a little bit more readily. Um, and then we'll also hopefully not by next episode, but the following, have the ability to start throwing in some TikTok clips and things that. Uh, have some of my crazy hot takes that you guys can laugh at and call me stupid and stuff like that. So thanks again, guys. All your support means a whole bunch. Hopefully you found this relatively informative or relatively entertaining. If not, I apologize. I promise I'm going to try to do better next time. I'm going to keep this ball rolling. But again, have a good day, guys. Have a good week, and we'll talk soon.